Breakfast Business with Enterprise Ireland on News Talk. Now, Ireland's banking sector is in a state of flux. We're going from five banks to three, not good news. But the flux comes not just from the number of banks in the market, but from changes in the way people interact with banks. More and more businesses being done online, upstarts like Revolut are a threat to current account business, and non-bank lenders have been providing significant competition on the mortgage front. I'm happy to say we're joined in studio by permanent TSB Chief Executive Eamon Crowley to tease out some of these issues and to discuss how his bank plans to chart its way through all this upheaval. Eamon, good morning. Good morning. Why do I need to use a traditional bank at all these days? I can have my current account with Revolut and I can go and get uh, my mortgage from a broker uh, and he'll have a non-bank lender who will give me the money. Well, in, in a recent uh, Department of Finance survey, uh, 94% of people have a traditional bank account. So 94% of people are using them. In fact, um, only 1% in that survey, which was only about three months ago, stated they were using a digital current account as their main account. Uh, what we've seen is that um, customers see the, a digital account as being a companion uh, account or a, a companion card for for their activity, and um, you know they like the the look and feel of those. But the reality is they get their salary and they do most of their main payments in their in their in their bank. And for us, and for the wider banking sector, it's how we then catch up and and provide uh, a service and a, and an offering to customers that is 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 as competitive to what they see in a digital current account. Yeah, it's, it's certainly it does seem to be that Revolut is sort of complementary to the, the existing bank accounts that people have. But are you concerned that that, that that might change over time? And secondly, even if it does, would you be that worried to lose current account business? I mean, is current account business really that important uh, to well, you guys? Current accounts are at the core of any bank. Um, they, they've been out of favour for a number of years because of the interest rate environment and the fact that a bank that if you hold excess cash on your own balance sheet, you place it with the central bank, they charge us 50 basis points. So, you know, that, that working capital that a bank would hold was costing money. But that's changing with the interest rate environment. And, uh, you know, current accounts and current account customers are at the core of any bank. What opportunities does the departure of KBC and Ulster present to you? Oh, it's an enormous opportunity for us. You know, the, the reality is the structure of the Irish banking sector post-crisis was two large banks and three smaller banks. Um, my own perspective is that something would happen over time with respect to those three three smaller banks. And indeed, uh, because because of the scale and size of the Irish market, I'm just talking about customer numbers predominantly. And, um, you know, we've emerged as the as uh, the the bank that of the, of the three smaller banks that were existed post crisis. Yeah, one of the things it's provided you with is the uh, Lombard asset finance business, which I know business lending was an area where really you guys wanted to to not just do more, but I suppose establish a, a presence really within the area of banking. What segment do you think presents the most opportunities? Well, our core segment is mortgages. You know, we're a bank uh, that's been around over 203 years. We, we started back in um, 1816 in the, uh, with the Water Savings Bank, then the Dublin Savings Bank, which was the, the, was the, the bigger part, uh, was formed in 1818. So, so we've been in the mortgage market and supporting customers by way of home purchase over that period of time. So it is always at the core of what we do and will continue to be. But the more exciting aspect is our, our, our branch and our move into business banking you know, AIB and Bank of Ireland have about 90% of that market. Um, it's an 18, point, 18 billion um, SME business banking market that's that's out there to, to play for. Um, 
Ulster traditionally had about 10% of that market and it's our ambition, you know, for us to provide something different to business customers um, and provide uh, uh, something that they can relate to. Uh, and the, the acquisition of Lombard Asset Finance allows us to bring a leasing product that we wouldn't have had before. So small businesses want to lease vans, they want to lease equipment. Uh, we couldn't do that uh, in our offer. And this, this brings a, a, new, um, a new area where we can go into and support small businesses and indeed compete compete for that. And we're, we're, we're you know, our, our loan book doubled last year. Um, we've already this year achieved the same amount of lending as we did last year and it's growing substantially and we've a long, a good, strong pipeline as well. So can, the momentum's good. Can I bring you back a little bit to the retail banking? Um, AIB had a bit of a disaster this year when they kind of said they were going to shut down or make cashless quite a few branches. Um, before lockdown, you were talking about closing quite a number of branches. Where are you at with branches and Everyone's aware how politically sensitive these things are, but where do you want to be? Well, we're, we're actually doing something different to the other banks in that we're opening branches. Through, our, through the Ulster Bank transaction, we're taking on 25 new branches in locations where we don't have coverage today. So um, South Dublin, West Dublin, uh, into the west of Ireland and the northwest as well. Um, and part of uh, part of that um, move into those branches is is the overall part of the deal. You know, there's, there's a strong customer Ulster Bank customer base in those locations, which we're looking to retain. And uh, we're going from seventy five locations to just under a hundred as part of that, including Saint Air Square, a significant. That's a big change from where you were two two and a half years ago, and where your plans to cut branch numbers. That's correct, and uh, th- th- you know, w- you know, th- they, those plans were rumored. Let's say we we never actually uh, executed them, but the reality is at that stage, uh, as an organisation, uh, we were one of three smaller banks. Uh, the interest rate environment was tough. Uh, and we had to examine lots of different ways in which to to manage the bank. We never actually moved forward in branch closure uh, at all, uh, but it was rumoured at that stage. But but the reality is uh, we're in a different stage now. We're, we're growing, our customer numbers are growing, uh, our presence is growing. And I'm a great believer in seeing the brand on the main street rather than a closed up uh, a closed up location where someone, you know, a person remembers, oh, that was X bank branch at one stage and now they're gone. Um, we're we're in a different we're in a different stage. How would you describe the health of the Irish economy right now in mid September? Um, it had a pretty rapid bounce back from lockdowns, but we are being walloped again by a huge energy shock. Well, I, I think personally we can see it in our own ESB bills. For instance, the last bill I got was similar to what you'd get at Christmas. Um, so we can see that they, it, it, you know, over the the coming months, those those bills will just increase and increase. So, so it is it is um, it is something to be concerned about and, and worried about. It's outside our control. It's something we cannot control, but we we have to be aware of it. If you take it on the positive side of the economy, you know, it's nearly two point six million people employed. If you look at average take home pay, it's up around twenty percent versus twenty fifteen. I know it probably needs to go further now with inflation, but it has been increasing. Um, there has been employee shortages in certain sectors, uh, and that continues. Um, and if you look at, say, from a bank point of view, um, bank balance sheets are in, in, in good shape, capital positions are in good shape, and, and, and most importantly, liquidity is also in good shape. So, um, I, I'm, you know, it, there's kind of two sides to the coin. I think we are, as an economy, in good shape to uh, face into this, this Will crisis. we avoid a recession? Um, I personally think we will, but there will be areas and, and, and citizens in our, in our economy who will suffer and uh, we have just have to be careful and, and mind them. And are you seeing any evidence to date of 
any problems with, with credit quality or, or customers coming to you saying, I'm in a bit of trouble here? Any no, signs of that? We haven't seen any uh, increase at this moment, but we're watching it very carefully. In relation to those soaring energy costs, um, you are going to have customers who are going to have problems. Have you spoken to your branch managers or your customer relationship people and said, I need you to show a little bit of forbearance with people? Let's say they dip into their overdraft <coughs> or they go beyond their overdraft because they're paying energy bills or they use an overdraft without getting permission to use an overdraft. Yeah, the, the, there's no doubt that we, we, we keep, a, keep a close eye on this. We, you know, from arising from the crisis, we had a, a team of experienced professionals who were dealing with customers who had mortgage difficulties and mm-hmm. had to be in, uh, put into forbearance and provided forbearance. And indeed, we, we, we did very well, I believe, in, in, in that exercise um, by way of providing forbearance for thousands and thousands of customers at that stage. So, so it's something that we're still uh, uh, very tuned to. That team is still in place. We didn't dismantle that team. Um, and um, we, we watch it on an ongoing basis and indeed try to work with customers around there supporting them. That generally is in the mortgage space. Um, rather- what, if, what if day-to-day spending becomes really acute, uh, Eamon, and uh, people are spending hundreds of euros a month more on their energy costs than they would have? That is going to put people, that's going to put their overdraft under pressure and overdrafts are very expensive. There's huge interest rates on them. The the um you're absolutely right and indeed if if you take uh, credit cards as well it's it's uh, it's it's another product that people use in order to um to manage um those there are limits which in you those. wouldn't recommend I'm sure I I don't recommend them but there are limits in those so you you can't unfortunately go over those limits you have to come back to the bank and renegotiate and see you know for instance we would look at putting customers onto a more long term um term loan which mm-hmm. would have a lower rate and things and we would we would encourage customers to come and talk to us around spreading out their repayments. Uh, or spreading out that debt, but it, but but saying that it, it, it there will be some difficult situations. There's no doubt about it, um, and you know um, how um, you know families support each other in that respect because it tends to be at times you 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 seek support within your own family, or indeed with with government supports as well. That's their 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 places to go. But the bank, as an initial uh, as an initial contact, uh, we're ready, willing, and open to discuss uh, those challenges with with customers. We hear a lot about the caps on on bankers' pay that we've had here since the last crash. You could probably be getting paid a lot more if you went and took a job in Britain. So why why have you decided to stay here when you could probably be earning three times what you're earning over it's there? It's the weather, Gabby. Staying for the weather. <laughs> the the um, well, I, I think there's an over focus on pay cap in that the the pay cap itself really only affects a small amount of individuals in the banking sector. The outgoing boss of Bank of Ireland, for example. Well, the, the um, I'd rather not comment on that, but the, but the reality is it, the pay cap only affects a small amount of, of, of people. So there's an overall focus on, 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 on the pay cap, whereas in fact we have a situation where wider bank employees, um, uh, if you take our organisation, 70% of our employees were not in the bank 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, the vast, vast majority have joined post-crisis and have joined an organisation uh, that's on a different uh, trajectory. So um, I think the the restrictions it puts on the wider population of staff um, makes it more difficult for, for us as an industry and indeed as a bank to, to attract, say, IT talent or data talent, data analytics. These are all important by way of the digital transformation that we need to to make. So I think that's where the 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 um, focus should be, not just on the pay cap and, for instance, not on me in that respect. But you're obviously happy to work here under the pay cap. I'm I'm working away uh, uh, under the pay cap and I understand the, the mechanics of it and it's fine. 
What was your experience of the 2008 crash? Where were you when all that happened? So, um, actually, I was. Uh, I had. I had. Um been in Poland working with our with AIB's Polish bank uh, called Bank Zachodni Wubica for six years at that stage, and I was a- AIB had also made an investment in in Bulgaria and the Baltics, and they brought the three together under what was called AIB Central and Eastern European Division, uh, and I was in August of two thousand and eight. I was moving from Poland to Dublin uh, to take over responsibility. Um, working side beside the uh, chief executive, the head of that division, in those three countries. So, um, I was on the move back to Dublin with my family, and um, I spent then a lot of the next two years in Sofia and Riga, uh, trying to keep those, particularly those two entities, afloat. Yeah, and it ended up being sold off in the end. I mean, it was kind of a fire sale. I remember reporting on it afterwards, kind of working out. If they'd managed to hold on to it at the time, it recovered. You know, it recovered its value very well. Kind of once things had moved on. Yeah, in in March of 2010, um, the, the board of AIB um, decided to sell the Poland. The P- Poland uh, piece of that division was the was 95 percent of what was going on. It was a business that we had 2.6 million customers. Um, you know, we we were number uh, seven by by balance sheet size, but number five by profitability. You know, it was a, it was a bank that was performing very well. And um, the sale was announced. The board had decided at the end of March, and within a week, I was back in Warsaw, actually um, preparing for the sale of that bank, communicating with my my Polish colleagues around the reasons for it. They were very upset, naturally, after working with and, us for so long. And pretty fraught for you, I'd imagine. I mean, it was, did you find it stressful? How did it uh, impact on you um, personally? I, well, I have to say, it was quite exciting because I spent the next four months with very little little sleep, uh, preparing for the sale, then in, in interacting with four bidders. On the last day, we had three bidders, and then Santander, um, Santander had won that um, uh, bid. And, um, you know, I went on to sell uh, the Baltics and Bulgaria, and then I realised, well, not that I realised, but then I had no job. My job was gone. I'd sold all the component parts of what I did. Um, so, <laughs> you know, that in itself was quite quite fraught on the basis that I had a young family, four kids, um, no more than anyone else. I had a mortgage, uh, my career... As such, with AIB, um, was uh, I'd sold it, and it was it, it, it. This was in a division that was performing extremely well, you know. Um, and, and you had uh, learned Polish. I'd learned some Polish, so I not 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 fluently. It's quite a difficult language to learn, uh, but I could. My my. Um, f- funny enough, when you when you were sitting in a meeting with uh, Polish people around speaking Polish, you could actually catch and understand what they were saying. Uh, you could pick up the vibes quite. You get used to it. Um, but um, no, I didn't learn Polish fluently. You're a Churchtown boy. Um, uh, can I just ask a weird question? Uh, do you notice any urban-rural divide in Ireland? I mean, I've come back from the UK and I just wonder what, what, how do you find it that people outside the cities mm. um, are a bit distrustful of those inside the cities? Well, I, I, live, I have the best of both worlds in that. I, I'm from Dublin. Um, I lived in Dublin between Poland, etc. for most of my life, but... Uh, six years ago, I moved down to Burr in Offaly, so I'm actually living in Offaly. So I have the I I can experience in the castle, very close to it, yes, <laughs> yeah, very close to it. But so I I I I think it's in certain. I don't believe there's an urban urban rural divide, but um, I think you know uh, there's a different um, way of communicating and a different way of connecting with your neighbours in 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 the country versus Dublin. 
And I think that creates a different kind of community spirit and therefore creates different messaging by way of what the needs and desires are. Can I bring you back to macro prudential? There are quite a few people out there think that the Central Bank of Ireland is fighting the war from 14 years ago, from the financial crisis, that the rules for banks like yours are so strict and so tight, your credit is huge and you've got so much core tier one capital set aside that you will be absolutely fine if there is another crisis all Irish banks that remain will be fine. But it also tightens your lending capability. It means you can only lend so much because you need to set aside a bit of capital for every loan that you write. You've got to set aside more than a Polish bank, for example, or a German bank or a Portuguese bank. And this is what Ulster Bank specifically said was causing them to leave. That's right. So if you, the, the, I'm, a, I'm a, currently the president of the BPFI I play an active part in, in, in the work we do there and, and about 18 months ago we brought out a detailed report on examining Irish, the, the Irish banks and the level of capital it's acquired versus, say, the European sector and on average um, we're two to three times more. Um, That's not, it means you can't lend money to companies and consumers. Well, it does. It it, it absolutely restricts. Um, and by the way, that's that's an advance of the macroprudential rules. It's, it's, so you still have the macroprudential rules are on top of that. But the um, the, the the reason for that is related to the fact that the um, the data that the ECB have used in order to assess the amount of capital uh, that bank Irish banks need was between two thousand and eight and twenty thirteen. That's the five year period, and twenty thirteen, uh, as we know, no looking back, is the worst year for collateral valuation. Um, and therefore, property prices had fallen by forty-five to fifty percent. That's correct. So you know, it's it's a case of the at at some stage that that um, technical examination by way of the the information they used to set the capital rules catching up really from that period. Um, can but you that's not where accelerate that. As someone who sits on the BPFI, <clears throat> can you not say who do you call in Frankfurt um, to get that sorted? Get a new assessment. It's 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 not our decision. We can make we, the purpose of the 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 report by the PPFI was actually to highlight this issue and highlight the fact that um, we believe it is at a conservative level, uh, but it's up to the regulator then, based on information, to move move the dial really by when their next assessment would take place. If you look at <clears throat> if you look at the um, uh, if you look at the book itself, so say the mortgage book in Ireland now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this year or possibly into next year, it'll tip over in that more than 50% of the book will be created under the macro prudential rules, for example, since 2015. Mm-hmm. So you can see a a reduction in what's called the more risky uh, back books that banks hold and a, yeah. an increase in, the, in, let's call it the more safe. Uh, and that in itself should bring some change in your course, but, but it's outside our control and powers. Part of it, though, is that it's so difficult to repossess a property here uh, if, if the mortgage goes bad. I mean, do you think it should be easier to, to it, repossess homes here? I've lived in the Netherlands, Belgium, Germany, and if you're delinquent up to six months, legal proceedings start <clears throat> automatically. There's no discussion or no discretion. Well, if you look at the, if you look at the, the again, the history of the crisis, uh, I think the recovery rate by Irish banks was around 11%. The average in Europe was 46 and if you take the Netherlands, which was the highest, because if you, as I understand it, if you're 90 days late on a repay, on pay, repayment, there's a sign outside your door, your house is for sale. And that is a 90% uh, um, uh, recovery rate. But the point that Gav is making, that it goes back to something that happened 175 years ago. Mass, mass evictions. People aren't paying their mortgages. And is it fair that those who are paying the mortgage, 95%, you'll have the number, should be paying twice the euros on average interest rate? Um, well, 
if you compare us to to our closest neighbours in the UK, they have much more um, uh, uh, straightforward uh, repossession criteria um, than we have here. Um, you know, to some extent, if you, coming out of the crisis and when the Troika arrived, I wasn't actually here, I was in Poland for it, but my understanding is that the the approach was keep people in their homes um, given the crisis we, we we came out of. And that, that actually worked quite well, if you look at the, the repossessions. But there is a cost to that, and the cost is um, the fact that there is a higher capital requirement on banks because of that. And and there is a it, it it is a direct input into the mortgage rates in Ireland in that respect. And what what do you think should happen? You you know I'm I'm sure you're talking to Pascal Dunhu all the time. I don't know if this comes up, but what should, I mean? Do you think we should have the Dutch approach where somebody turns up after ninety days and the for sale sign goes up, or even somewhere in the middle gap? Because at the moment Ireland is at one end of the continuum and the Dutch are at the other end. Why not be somewhere in the middle? Well, you know, I, I, I think the, the, the laws exist, the, the approach exists, and then it's about the interaction with the court process itself and how that, how that operates. And the courts won't throw people out? Well, well the, uh, you know, when I, when I came, when I, when I arrived back uh, in 2017, one of the things I did is go down to, to experience a court process and to see how it operates. And, um, you know, it, it struck me that the, um, the judicial system was giving more time for people in order to fix their own affairs and... Indeed, it was all about uh, engagement with the bank. I, are you positively engaging with the bank in order to find a solution? Are you at least talking and to it, them. And that, I, but, but, but I have no issue with that. I mean, that that, that positive engagement uh, around trying to find a solution is quite good. I think for customers who are not, um, that's where I think the focus should 100, be. One hundred thousand, at least one hundred thousand people in this country haven't paid a mortgage payment in a decade. One hundred thousand people. How many repossessions have you guys filed for in the last two or three years? Not many. Uh, the, the, um, a handful. A handful. Less I mean, than the, a dozen. The, 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 I would. I don't have the exact number, but it's very, very small. We, we, we. Um, not unlike other banks, we um, ceased all um, uh, activities in this area during COVID. Uh, as part, and actually, the courts also were um, uh, had reduced their their, their activity, but. Uh, it's it's a it's only a handful, and indeed the 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 vast majority are voluntary in our case. The bank is still seventy five percent owned by the state. What's your plan to get that down to zero? Well, the the um, the Ulster Bank transaction involves us. Um, you know, we were able to uh, increase the 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 balance sheet of Permanent TSB by forty percent. We're able to take on the Lombard asset business. We're able to take on an SME business and indeed uh, 25 branches, without asking our shareholders for any funds, shareholders for any additional funds. And indeed, the, 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 uh, as the state owns 75% of the bank, we would be asking the, the, the state for the majority of those funds. So this, this transaction has been put together without, ask, without asking um, shareholders for any, any, any additional funds. Um, why? Because the construct, the construct of the deal involves us also issuing 16% shares to NatWest Group, which which will dilute the government to sixty two percent. So through this transaction, there you you could say they they are selling down from seventy five to sixty two, but the reality is they're getting a bank which is one of three banks in the market which has a very very positive outlook, uh, where we're growing our market share in mortgages. We have great ambitions in business banking, and we're also expanding our current account base uh, through the uh, taking on Ulster Bank and KBC customers. So. Um, that's part of the the story in that we have to first of all complete that transaction, and once we do, you know we've put forward um, we've put forward that we can 
we believe we can make a 10% return on equity in the next number of years. When you think of where we're coming from, which is either you know uh, breaking even or slight losses, that's a significant move forward. And um, we are a challenger to AIB and Bank in that respect. We can uh, be looking to take some business from them. I talked about the business banking market of 18 billion. I mean, you know, if we, it's our ambition to take 1 billion of that uh, over the next three years. Do you think personal taxes in this country are too high? Um, I I think it's um, it's a feature of the the size of the 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 the, the economy, the size of the um, employment base. Um, I think it's important everyone should pay some tax, no matter no matter what. Um, you know, if you look at the, uh, I forget the percentage. I think it's the top five percent of earners pay forty percent of, of of the tax. So it's so it's quite progressive in that respect. Um, Personally, I'd rather not pay any more tax. I think I pay, no, but, but I pay sufficiently. But jump into the higher band very early. Yes. Compare, again, comparing to the UK, definitely comparing to other countries in continental Europe. Very early, they're into the top rate. I think we have to be conscious of the size of the country and the size of, of the um, employee base we have here. And, and, you know, it is more expensive to run a smaller country, if you understand. You don't have the economies of scale. Yeah. Um, if you take Poland of 40 million a 40 million population, um, tax rates are lower in, in, in that, in that country. But wages are much lower as well. Yes. So it, take, it takes a big deal relative to your peers to jump into the top rate in Poland. Um, for example, should the bans be widened? I mean, there's talk about even a middle income tax rate. Would you have any thoughts on that? Because it, it is acting as a break on those talented people coming to this country saying, what? I'm, I'm already in the top band and I'm you know, one of the lowest earners in my, in my IT giant that I work for. I think naturally we have to, first we also have to balance the books and, 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 and ensure that, you know, we, we, we saw during the crisis that, that Ireland was shut off from, from, from getting uh, yeah. access to funding. So we, we always have to be very careful, not just to think now, but also the medium term. But, but I, I would support and would agree that uh, bands should be widened um, for middle income earners. I actually would support that. Okay, well, we'll see what Pascal Dunahoo does in the weeks ahead. Eamon Crowley, Chief Executive of Permanent TSB, thanks very much for being with us this morning. Thank you. Thanks, Eamon. Breakfast Business with Enterprise Ireland on News Talk.